Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. I'm, I'm Jenna so Wolf, alongside Nick Wright, Brandon Marshall, just happy to see Kevin you guys. Wilds, it's a good morning. And, and guys, good morning. For uh, for 16 years since we started this show, I've been asking Nick Wright every single morning since LeBron has been playing. Are you nervous? Are you worried? Are you concerned? He laughs at me. He ignores me. He moves on. <laughs> For the first time, I can honestly not ask the question because I don't think there is a concerned cell in your body. Five. Nick's a happy relief Five. guy sure, today. Five. 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 Sure. Oh, oh, Brandon I can't Marshall wait may have Brandon. something to say about Sometimes that. Sometimes Brandon fakes uh, us out with his take. He's like, I'm not sure. And then he's like, no, I'm sure. Actually, I'm sure. All right. Well, here's why. Game four, NBA Finals. Miami looking to tie up the series. Remember, Jimmy Butler said they would. Well, the Heat needed yeah. to keep looking. LeBron and AD in cruise control. The King finished 28-12-8. Oh, no. Anthony Davis hit a clutch three with less than a minute to go to seal it for their Lakers. And... Even though Miami did get Bam Adebayo back, the Lakers seem to have had an answer for everything Miami threw at them last night. Lakers now one win away from their 17th title in franchise history. Here is LeBron James after the game. When I woke up from my nap um, this morning after our team meeting, I just I just felt that I felt that vibe. I felt that felt that pressure. Um, I felt like for me personally, this was one of the biggest games of my career. And um, just wanted to relay that message to my teammates, the type of zone I was in, the type of moment it was, because I just know how great of a team that we're playing against. And after the game three um, win, that, that confidence that they had, that they still have, even after tonight's loss, um, they're just a, a gritty, so damn well coached team. Um, but I feel like if we want to be a championship ball club, if we really want to be a championship team, then we we got to we got to have that same grit and that same attitude. So I was just it's just my mindset. LeBron James is <laughs> dialed in. Uh, Nick, what yeah. was the key to I mean, last night's Lakers win? Oh, uh, well, to me, it's pretty obvious. You've got the best defensive player in the league, and he showed it in Anthony Davis by guarding Jimmy Butler. And you have the best player in the league who also doubles as the best closer in the league, and you saw it by his second half, most notably fourth quarter performance, because LeBron was bad in the first half. There's no way around it. After turning the ball over a bunch in game three, he turned the ball over a bunch early in game four. And Jenna, if you were taking a Nick Wright nervousness test like you were alluding to earlier, around halftime I was thinking, well, this doesn't look great. LeBron is sloppy with the ball, <laughs> the heat feel good, and then everything changed. And in that fourth quarter, LeBron hit that turnaround jump shot you just saw. He made this impossible play and those were the only baskets he made in the fourth, but he still finished with 11 fourth quarter points. Why? Because bad free throw shooting LeBron James went seven of seven from the free throw line and had the biggest assist of the night on the biggest swing play of the night down to the heat where Jimmy Butler misses an open corner three. LeBron pushes up the court and old KCP, old reliable Kentavious Caldwell right. Pope hits a corner three of his own, <laughs> the biggest swing play of the That's game right. right here with three minutes left. And so when you've got the best player in the league 
who will not allow his team to lose a fourth quarter lead. And you've got a defensive player in Anthony Davis who, Brandon, even if he doesn't have a great offensive night, his fingerprints are all over the game. That's how you go up 3-1 in the finals. That's how you're en route to winning the championship on Friday. So, so you weren't at all nervous, Nick? Not, not a little? Hand Just never a little. Shook. Like, in the, like in The Departed. Bro, never I... Never shook. I, totally... I'm sorry. Totally so, halftime... Drinking some echinacea. I, hey, Jenna. Yeah, Jenna, it came down to stamina. Ahead, I mean, this was an old-fashioned, great defense of battle, you know, extra possessions. Uh, this was just great defense, low-scoring game. Um, you know, at halftime, Nick, I'm sorry. I had to call D. Wade. I called him. I said, bro, why, oh, how is oh, it that the, oh, the Miami dropper. Heat? <laughs> I'm like, how is it that, that the Miami Heat is sticking with the Lakers? Age. And he talked about strategy. He said, look, when you play against really good players, you can do things to get them out of rhythm. And he was obviously referring to AD and LeBron James. And he talked about how they're playing man, they're playing zone, they're playing match zone. And, and, and to me, that obviously listening to D-Wade, that was the tale of the first half. But then LeBron James, as we always know, he figures it out. Uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but... His basketball IQ is out of this world, and we don't talk about it because he's great at almost everything. Uh, outside of outside of closing with with uh, Kyrie Irving talked about last week, but we'll uh -huh. we'll, we'll leave uh -huh. that in last week's discussion. But last last night was really Call interesting to out, me, Jenna. Nick. And the reason why I asked you about nervousness is because oh, hang so on. We, 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 on. Hold we are on, being Bruce. interrupted. What, Wilds? Hold on, Connor. What's about up, Wilds? You, I, the, the Dwayne Wade thing is too weird to let it move on. It's too, I know you want to analyze the game, <laughs> but you name dropped, you called Dwayne Wade, who's the, maybe the <laughs> Heat's yeah, greatest casual. player, during a pivotal game of, of the, in the Heat's franchise, and you, Brandon Marsh, like, I'm going to call Dwayne Wade up. The audacity. Yeah. And, uh, this was a real call or a text. <laughs> It's a real call. No, this was this was a call. This was a call. A real call <laughs> is, is, even, is even further insane. And the fact that he picked it up. Yeah, that's you know, the you story know, of he's not doing anything else. He's just watching the game. You know, he got his feet kicked up, probably uh, having a Budweiser. I think yeah, he sponsors Brandon, Budweiser. He's probably Brandon, sitting there watching the game. It, of course, I'm gonna call D Wade. I want to understand time. because. Because here's the deal, yes. as, as, as analysts at times, even me as a football guy and watching football games, and we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of times we see something, but we don't know what it really is. Like when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, there's so many breakdowns that we don't know from the outside. And obviously, D-Wade being close to the organization, he knows exactly what's going on. He's probably talking to Spo. He's, he's definitely talking to Jimmy Butler. So I wanted the inside yeah. scoop. Isn't this what we do on what, TV? Why is, he talking, why is he talking to Brandon well, this some of us that's do that's on that's TV. That's <laughs> that's like, 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 we don't all do that. Call insiders. My insider happened to be D-Wade. <laughs> no, you, what you did is you probably, you probably cost the heat no, in the game. Not. Dwayne Wade probably needs to talk to Spo and Jimmy Butler. He's like, hold on, I've got former Jet and Chicago Bears great Brandon Marshall on the line that needs to prep for the show. And Spo's like, all right, I guess we'll hold on. I, we wanted to hear your insights, but I know you got to talk to Brandon. Like, okay, so bye. So wait, quick. What was, the, what was your number one, what was the big takeaway? When you hung up the phone, you were like, oh, now I get it. What was the big takeaway from talking to D-Wade? 
Well, I, I was ready to come in here and talk about the Miami Heat winning, but, you know, obviously LeBron James and his high f basketball IQ figured out exactly what they were doing. And then, obviously, uh, playoff Rondo kicked in. He didn't score any points. He scored what, he, at one basket, but he had right. seven right. key rebounds. I mean, at the biggest moments in the game, Rondo was tipping the ball out, rebounding, and that was big. And yep. LeBron James, you know, he didn't play great to me, but he hit some big shots. I mean, he was hot when he needed to be hot. So, to me, that was the difference. Uh, it was the tale of two halves. All right. Again, Lakers top Miami last night. They're now one win shy of the NBA title. Phones everywhere are lighting up because Brandon Marshall's on a rampage to make calls. Take a turn. Big trouble in Big D. Big D. Wait till you hear who is coming down hard on that Dallas defense. First things first. Aim dropper. First Things First is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. Week 5 of the NFL is on its way and we are entering our fantasy lineups on FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great! FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. And this year, FanDuel is now offering daily snake drafts. I couldn't be more excited. Snake drafts are the simplest way to try daily fantasy. Draft live just like season-long fantasy, but with winners every game day. The best of seasonal drafting with DFS all in one. How it works. Find a daily snake draft. Draft your team live. Draft starts as soon as the contest fills. You and your opponents will draft six players in a six-round draft with 30 seconds per pick. Unlike other FanDuel contests, there is no salary cap. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com FTF or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. FanDuel.com FTF. FanDuel. More ways to win. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles 
to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Stop it, All right, Nick. let's talk exactly. to Dallas Cowboys you now. You nailed it, Jenna. You nailed it. This is, this is how Nick does it. Uh, their Super Bowl hopes seemingly dash, not just because they're one and three, but because of why they are one and three. That defense, the worst scoring defense in the league, a defense that's allowing more than 36 points a game. Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman came down hard on the defense. Listen to what he had to say. It, to me, I'd be embarrassed as a player to, to put that kind of performance on film that, that's going to be seen by your peers for the rest of the season. It was just uh, not very good. And I know Mike Nolan is in, uh, you know, in the firing line right now. But you know, over the years, you could always point to the, the way that the Cowboys played defensively. I mean, they played with, with great effort. Um, you know, they just flew around 11 guys and didn't always play great, but, but it was always there on film as far as the effort level. And I mean, I, I didn't see, I didn't see one guy on defense that I'd say had a good game. And the, the last touchdown that Odell Beckham scored when they'd cut it to three points, you know, they had all the momentum. If they make a stop there defensively, they they probably win the game. Oof. All right, Brandon, some harsh words there from Troy Aikman about that Dallas D. What did yeah. you make of what he had to say? You know, the first thing that I thought about was what we've been talking about for a week now, just uh, over overcomplicating what they're what they're doing on defense that's what coach Nolan has done he's just overcomplicated everything he needs to simplify it um, it takes me back to 2010 and 2011 I had coach Nolan as my defensive coordinator uh, my last year in Denver and my first year in Miami and I just remember seeing those guys after every single period huddle up and go through the script and take out pieces of paper and and draw things up and I'm like guys if you don't know this now then there's a problem. We always had uh, breakdowns in the secondary uh, because he has so much that he can do. When you think about Coach Nolan and when he was good and really good at calling plays, you got to think about the, the defensive players he's had, he had. Ray Lewis, he had veterans, Ed Reed. Uh, he had guys that understood, you know, football. He had guys that had high football IQ. When you don't have that and you're so banged up in the secondary, you got to simplify it. Right now, they need to go get a safety. I don't know if that's Tony Jefferson, Eric Reed, hell, even Eric Berry. And we talked about Earl. I don't know what oh. they have against Earl Thomas, but he's sitting out there as well. Um, it's too early to make an adjustment, but if they're going to make an adjustment, then they, they should have confidence in a the guy they have behind Coach Nolan and George Edwards, who sat behind Coach Zimmer for five years uh, in Minnesota. He's more than capable, but it's, it's still a little too soon. Okay. Just simplify it. And, and I want to show you guys two plays to show you what I'm talking about. As a player, soon as the play starts, not even before the play starts, um, I should be able to understand exactly what they're in. Right now, I can't tell you what coverage this is. I don't know if this is 
two, if it's quarters, it looks like it's quarters to me. And, and the toughest thing that you can do against the safety is run a post. So number 25 right there, Xavier Rhodes, when you look at this post play, it's that's on him. But everybody's looking at Thompson. Oh, this is on him. Well, no. In, in quarters coverage, everybody has a quarter of the field. So when you have that number two tight end on the right side of the formation, when he falls off, you got to go deep or the corner's supposed to go deep and take the post because we know that against quarters, the thing that can hurt you the most is a post play. So backside help is critical, but everybody's looking at Thompson like he's the problem. He's not the problem. It's the guys on the other side understanding the responsibility when their guy doesn't go past 10 yards. Let's go to the next play. Let's go to uh, the Atlanta game, Hurst. I can't tell you what this coverage is, Jenna. I don't know if it's zone, if it's man. One of the things you bad. know is when it's guys drop coverage. back, then you know it's zone. But you got some guys chasing. You got, uh, you know, number 24. I'm sorry, I cannot, I can't pronounce his name. I call him C.A. Uh, but C.A., he's running across <laughs> the field, what I believe is Julio. And you have Hurst coming in the backside. Well, who has this third of the field? A Wuzier. There we go. I don't know what they're doing. They need to simplify what they're doing on defense so everyone has a chance to be successful because you have Dak Prescott who's throwing for 450 yards on the other side. So give it to Dak and let him win it for you. So, Brandon, that was great. And I would imagine the reason a team would lean into a complicated defensive scheme as opposed to a very vanilla basic defense is because the idea is it will, while it might allow a few more big plays via breakdowns, it will generate more big plays in your direction, be it tackles for loss, sacks, or most importantly, forcing turnovers. And right now, this defense is the worst of both worlds. It's allowing more big yep. plays than any team in the league while generating none of them on the other end. They forced two turnovers all year. It's the second worst in the entire NFL while allowing 35 points per game, the second worst in the entire NFL. It's a disaster. And so there is no saving grace here. And I'm just going to show you a very simple graphic to how bad the pass defense has been. They are turning every quarterback they face into Patrick Mahomes. If you look at it, the, the, the passer rating allowed for the Cowboys, the touchdown-interception ratio, the yards per game, on the left is quarterbacks facing the Cowboys. On the right is Mahomes. It's the same thing. <laughs> Guess what? If you play Patrick Mahomes every week, you're going to lose most weeks. You can't let this be your pass defense. Wilds, you can't Let's have every go. week. It's like, well, damn, we got Mahomes on the schedule again. You're going to be in trouble. But they yeah. don't have Mahomes on the schedule. <laughs> They've had Russell Wilson, who's amazing. Matt Ryan, who's yeah. good-ish. Jared Goff, who's mediocre. And Baker, who hasn't played well, really, consistently since rookie season. And they all look like the GOAT. So, I mean, it, it's a disaster for the Cowboys. Yeah. Tell me, Wilds. You know who's coming up? Our buddy Danny Dimes. Danny Brandon, Fumbles. what happens if oh, Danny no. Dimes turns into Patrick Mahomes? He's got the 22nd oh, no. uh, most yards per game. <laughs> he's been sacked Danny 14 Dimes. times, and he's thrown as many touchdowns <laughs> as Jarvis Landry. If, if Danny Dimes starts looking like Patrick Mahomes out there, and you mentioned adjustments because you're a nice guy, do you think this costs Mike Nolan his job? Oh, I mean, it, it can. I mean, you got to think about it. Um, 
this is a disaster. They're they're playing historically bad. Like the, the you know this is unbelievable. This is unforgivable when you have a quarterback on the other side throwing it for 450 yards a game and can easily win eight games himself. So what do you do on the other side of the ball? Just simplify. Get your guys in position. Now I do want to say this when we look at those plays that I highlighted and I and I just pulled out two and I wish that we had the all 22 to show you the entire field so we can go in depth into where the breakdowns are but this is happening almost every other play not only in the passing game but also in the running game guys not uh, maintaining the edge guys not hitting their gap guys not maintaining their gap you can see it jumping out at you on film so when you think about that you know you if I'm coach Nolan I'm going to my guys and saying guys this is just simple quarters coverage so the first play against Russell Wilson was a breakdown it looked like they had a great scheme up front where they didn't really want to get to Russell they wanted to contain Russell so they did a great job of keeping Russell in the pocket now you have DK Metcalf who looks like that wasn't even his route he just happened to go to the post so but which means the backside corner and the backside safety should have more than enough time to adjust and get to the post. That's their play. That should have been a pick. That should have been an incomplete. That should have been a sack. That should have been a ball thrown out of bounds. So Coach Nolan, yes, he needs to simplify, uh, but I also think it, it, it's, it's fair to say that these guys need to do their damn job. That's it. Do your job. It's well, quarters man. coverage. We put this in in high school football. That, that job should get easier on Sunday when they face the Joe Judge-led New York Giants, Daniel Jones. Hey, guys, I think we may have found our next Tom Brady, Brett Favre, with a name you might oh, not no. have expected. Next, first things first. I'm guessing it's Josh Allen, based on the video. His time is now, and I think it's going to be for, for quite, a, quite a while. I think Josh Allen will be the new Tom Brady. Uh, mm. You know, at some point, he will be will be running the the division. Wow! You heard what Brett Favre had to say about fellow gunslinger Josh Allen. A little drawing a blank now. Brandon, Brett Favre saying Josh Allen will be the new Tom Brady is blank. Jenna, it's late. He's absolutely late. Brett Favre is the only one outside of Nick Wright that's not. Uh, uh, putting this guy on the pedestal and saying that he is great. Absolutely. No Tom Brady in the division. He's going to run a division. And he may even run the AFC uh, as a whole come next year. Right, Nick? Guys, what? see, this is with how I get face? painted. This is, this is how I get painted a hater. It's not my fault, America. <laughs> it's because... Folks, instead of just being okay with, hey, this guy's better than we thought when he was the sixth best quarterback in the Mountain West coming out of Wyoming, it's now he's the next Tom Brady. So this is a bridge too far. Like, stop. Can we stop? Like, Josh Allen is having a really good season, and I will give him full credit for that. Josh Allen is playing better this year than I ever thought he would at any point in his career. And so I will admit, in that regard, I was wrong. But this, this anointing him, talking about, is he going to be MVP? He's going to run the AFC East like Brady. I'm not even convinced the Bills are going to win the AFC East this year, much less win it for 17 of 18 years the way Brady did. So just stop. It, 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 it's a bridge too far, Wilds. It's a bridge way too far. But the, but the GOAT said it. 
The GOAT said it. Favre's not even the best quarterback in the Packers history. He's not even the best quarterback. Okay. I use it loosely. I medalist quarterback. Yeah. I use the word loosely. I take it back. Retract. 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 Audience, I instruct you to strike what Brandon Marshall just said from the record. You will continue on with the show on this take right here. Okay. We won the division 17 of the last 19 years. I think Nick said 18, but I, maybe you think we tied one. I don't know how we're going to do that. That would put us at 2039. We're drinking Soylent, and, and we've got robots in our flying cars. That's not happening. And so that I said lucky and good was my answer. So there's a little bit. That's because Belichick and Brady are very good. But there's also an element of luck that we went 19 years, and Nick, who was our big quarterback rivalry in the division? Go ahead, well, name, name the all the thing. great there wasn't quarterbacks one. that we had to face. There, there wasn't Chad Pennington for a year. I mean, Fitzpatrick with Brandon. Like, you are no good quarterbacks That's in the it. AFC East forever. Right. That's it. Right. So, exactly right. Good. Which is why, Jenna, that's why Josh Allen, part of the reason why this looks so good is we haven't seen an even above average quarterback in the AFC East for 20 years. And add that to Tom Brady leaving. It's 17 of 19. Yep. Add that to Brady leaving and Josh Allen looks like the guy that left. All right, let's move on to Tampa Bay. Speaking of the original Tom Brady, not the Josh Allen Tom Brady, practiced yesterday without his top four wide receivers. This just two days before the Bucks travel to Chicago, take on Nick oh. Foles, the Bears, Thursday Night Football on Fox, shameless plug. Brandon, the Bucks oh. practicing without their top four wideouts is blank. It, it's smart. Wide receivers, we're like indie cars. You know, we're high performing. We get revved up. We're these tough, strong, fast machines. But you also got to be gentle with us. When you ask us to play on Thursday Night Football, it's more about the mental than it is the physical. So sitting these guys on the sideline is smart because I need these guys ready to go come Thursday night. This is going to be a big game. You see what's happening around the league. A lot of soft tissue issues. No, not in Tampa. They're not having tissue it. Issue. So <laughs> I think this Thursday is about to be the start of a swoon for the darling Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, now I know I listened on this show on Monday. Five touchdowns for Tom Brady. No one was surprised by it. It's expected. It's what he's going to be. I'm very interested to see what he looks like this Thursday against Chicago. Then next oh. week against Green Bay. Then the following week when they go all the way to Vegas cross country. So I think the three and one Bucks, very, very, very realistically could be four and three, three and four. When we revisit this in a few wow. weeks, we'll obviously talk about the question between now and then. Quick question. So I think there, Quick yeah, question. Ahead, if he goes three yeah. and oh. Quick question. If he goes three and oh, are you willing to back off of Tom Brady, the GOAT? Yes. No shot. Yes. I'll answer that for yes. him. No. Uh, no. 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 You said, no. The answer is yes. <laughs> if they go three and yes. oh okay, at Chicago it. against Green Bay and at Oakland, then I'll reevaluate 100%. Luckily for me, Wild. No, ain't no reevaluate. There's no evaluation. You're done. No, yeah, no, no. You're done. Gonna, Leave I'm him alone. Have to worry Go about ahead, Wilds. Wilds, I'm not going to have to worry about it. Jenna, you know what? You know what I want to see. I, I, after a big loss from the Patriots or the Junior Varsity Patriots, I want to see Gronk back. OJ Howard's out now. Can I get some Gronk time? He's got nine receptions for 88 yards in four games. I was promised this Gronk Renaissance, and I haven't gotten it. So I would like to see a lot of Gronk on Thursday.
please, for all Patriots fans out there. Honking renaissance. It's like an oxymoron. All right, let's talk some Kansas City Chiefs. They're the first team you, ever to start 4-0 in four straight seasons. Nick begged That's us correct. to congratulate them. We we refused no, to do it. I just wanted to acknowledge. Uh, Brandon. I just wanted to acknowledge. <laughs> you wanted it. I think you wanted like a mini them. trophy. Brandon. The chances the Chiefs go undefeated is blank. Okay, um, let me let me do this with a straight face because I want Nick to take me serious here, okay? <clears throat> it's Josh Allen dependent. They face off against the Buffalo Bills Thursday night. Okay, week six. I'm telling you, this is the game where they go down. So it's Josh Allen dependent. Good answer. Brandon, I do take you seriously because the Bills roster, top to bottom, is outstanding. It's a great defense. It's a short week. It's on the road. My answer is a little different than yours. Mine is 21.5%. And I came to that number by I gave my own kind of rough calculations of their percentage to win each of their remaining 12 games, multiplied it all together, and I got 21.5%. But to your point, Brandon, the game I gave them the lowest wow. chance to win is he week six against Buffalo. So they're at 95% yeah. this week. They're, they're only at 70% week six in Buffalo. I gave them 100%, by the way, when they were at home against the Broncos. So you, I, I could show you the math. It's right here. It's 0.95 times 0.7 times 0.99. goes on for 12. <laughs> you come up with 21.47%. I rounded up 21.5% wilds. A little better than a one in five shot to go undefeated. That's the end. Oh, I'm my goodness. Jenna, I am wildly interested in your calculation there. I would expect it to be much lower once you start him. And if you don't mind, text me a picture of your calculations, and I, and I will redo them. 0.95 times 0.7 times 0.99 times 0.1 times 0.98. No, 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 times audience is not interested in math. At, at eight hundred times. Why do you look first things first? Oh, I love math. I love to break out my calculator to watch the show. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna text hey, you. just text it to me because the audience doesn't care. I, yeah, I, I got you. No uh, I'm rooting for you. I, I'm rooting for the Chiefs here because when you play, you know, I didn't oh. like that when the Patriots went 18 and 0. I think that we should have lost that game because I actually thought it hurt our Super Bowl chances when we lost to the Giants. I will be rooting for you. You can get the number one seed. Don't get the bye. Oh, you're I, such I, a so hater. I guess you would you're get the rooting bye. for us, so we, then we would have to win. What a hater! No, I'm. Well, then no, you can right. you can play the varsity Jenna, Patriots. Jenna, just move on. You can come He's play the varsity He's Patriots. Let's no, let us on. finish up He's in Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and the Packers are off to a red hot start. Thirteen touchdowns, no picks, probably because of that draft, Nick. I'm joking. Uh, Rodgers is self motivated. Aaron joined the Pat McAfee show yesterday and had this to say. You know, I, I sometimes laugh when people talk about, you know, down years for me, because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Yeah! down years for me or career years for most quarterbacks is blank awesome. <laughs> well well jenna let me continue on this math theme since nick wants to play with numbers oh, he's 100 percent no. correct as a wide receiver yeah wow so you got it i love it let's let's break down numbers as a wide receiver i never understood why some guys 
And even commentators say, oh, this guy, he went for 1,000 yards last year. Or a receiver stand up and say, I went 1,000 yards this year. And I'm like, well, 16 games, and you divide that. Like, 62 and 62. a half yards 62.5, yeah, 62 and a half yards a game to get a thousand? You should get that in a half. So I don't, I don't respect wide receivers and, and commentators that think, you know, a thousand yards is great. I 100% back Aaron Rodgers on this. He is great and he is the GOAT of the Green Bay Packers. There you go. Uh, yeah, I love this and I love it because I appreciate honest arrogance. It, it, media has been conditioned to applaud fake humility as opposed to honest arrogance. Guess what? Aaron Rodgers is bleeping amazing. And you know who knows it more than anybody? Aaron bleeping Rodgers. And so I don't like when guys who know they're great are like, well, you know, I'm just shocked I'm even here. It's all because of the teammates. No, it's because you're great. And so he's being honest about that. It might be arrogant, but I'd rather that <laughs> than false humility. So, Wilds, I, I say it's honest arrogance, and I love it. I, I agree. I, I'm going to introduce a new hashtag. Russell Wilson's got a hashtag, and it's going to borrow from LeBron's. Don't take Aaron Rodgers for granted. Is that too long of a hashtag? Maybe. But the guy's just consistently awesome, and he delivers great sound bites, too. So don't take Aaron Rodgers for granted. Hashtag. All right, you guys, you know who else has down years or career years for other players? Who, Nick? He doesn't have down years. Who? Yeah. He doesn't have down years. Back to he last night's NBA he last Finals year. Last Game year. 4. Maybe when he's injured. Last year. When he's injured, I'll call that a down last year. year. Oh first my things God. first. Oh, after my this. God. Last year was a down Welcome back. Game four of the NBA Finals. Lakers, Heat, and a chance for Miami to tie this series up. They'd have to fend off LeBron and AD, and last night that wasn't going to happen. The King finished a nice line for him, 28-12-8. Anthony Davis with a clutch three with less than a minute to go to seal it for the Lakers. Even though Miami had Bam Adebayo back, the Lakers seemed to have an answer for everything Miami was throwing at them. Lakers win. They're now one win away from their 17th title in franchise history. Here is LeBron James after the game. When I woke up from my nap um, this morning after our team meeting, I just I just felt that I felt that vibe. I felt that felt that pressure. Um, I felt like for me personally, this was one of the biggest games of my career, and. Um, just wanted to relay that message to my teammates, the type of zone I was in, the type of moment it was. Because I just know how great of a team that we're playing against. And after the game three um, win, that, that confidence that they had, that they still have, even after tonight's loss, um, they're just a, a gritty, so damn well coached team. Um, but I feel like if we want to be a championship ball club, if we really want to be a championship team, then we... We got we to gotta have that same grit and that same attitude. So I was just, it's just my mindset. NBA champ Antoine Walker mm -hmm. joins us now. Twan, good morning. You watched the game last night. What was the key yeah. to the Lakers win? Well, the Lakers played good in the fourth quarter. I didn't think they played great. Um, but it goes to, to me, it goes to, and I think Eric Sprosom is probably the, top three coach in the NBA right now. Great, brilliant mind. But last night, to continue to play Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson together 
in the fourth quarter to me was the hugest mistake they could have ever made. You cannot play yes. those two guys together. I was actually really stubborn. It, it was really kind of it was stubborn for Eric Sproulson to try to think that you can outscore the Lakers. You got to defend the Lakers. You got to get stops. Andre Iguodala should have never played 20 minutes. He should have played way more than 20 minutes. Um, and you should have went with more of a defensive unit yet in that fourth quarter. It was a defensive game last night. And he chose not to go with his veteran guys and defend late. And it hurt them. LeBron took advantage of, of the pick and roll, putting those young rookies in the pick and roll. Offensive clutch, offensive rebounds. Rondo got just moving without the basketball. So even though the Lakers did what they had to do to win the game, I think it was more about the heat mistakes that they made defensively yep. and not making adjustments. See, sometimes you get in these situations and these coaches get stubborn when you come to the finals. But it's about using your whole bench, using your role players. When we talk about this series when it's all said and done, we will talk about the role players and how good they play. They had 52 points of the 50 last, uh, of the 102 points last night. You know, AD and LeBron only have 50 points. So if you're the Heat, you did a terrific job of guarding these two superstars, but you Twan. allowed the others to continue to get off. That's, and, you know, for Eric Spurs, was too good of a coach. Yes, go ahead. Twan, I got to cut you off, man, because I, I saw it the opposite way. I know you're the basketball expert, but, man, mm -hmm. I thought they played great defense. The first half, you know, definitely highlighting that. In the first half, it was a defensive bet. Low-scoring game, low-scoring half, great defense. They threw everything at them, and I don't want to act like, you know, I sat here and, and watched the game myself. I actually called my buddy D-Wade. I'm like, how are they staying up? How are they keeping pace with the Lakers? And he talked about strategy. He talked about how they're going from man to zone to match zone. So I saw it the other way because I was ready to come in here today and talk about how the Lakers actually lost the game, but LeBron actually figured it out in the second half, and he made well, some 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 key baskets down the stretch. He was I don't think he played great. I think he played big well, in big moments. Well, D Wade must have was not watching the game, so probably you shouldn't have called D Wade because they stopped playing <laughs> zone about two games ago. Let's start with that. They they stopped they stopped playing. No, zone no, that's two, not true. That's ago. not true. That's that, not true. That, that's that's not true. true. They started that they started true. with two that, three. That, that, Twan, Brandon, no, it's not Brandon, true. No, Brandon, they stopped playing zone. I'm, I I would I would guarantee you they stopped playing zone and stopped playing more man than man. That was the case. You have to make adjustments. Now, one thing you did say was correct. LeBron James and how smart he is, he was able to figure it out the second half, how we could be effective. LeBron loosened the defensive defense up. He made a couple threes. But what's even more important, LeBron went seven for seven from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Ooh. He had started to attack the basket, use for, his for, body. Hold on, okay, listen, that's fine. Guess, listen, that's fine. So let's let's do this because this. because because you, this, because you guys just said I was Brandon, wrong. Go to the first quarter, room. midway through the first quarter, and you'll see two three zone. Go through the first quarter, halfway through it, two three zone. You play. You can play little league you basketball. No, that's a two-three zone. Brandon, give listen, me a possession. If you got this, if, if you got if you got this much room, you got very little room. You got inches. You are outmatched. You have inches. You have no room for a lot of mistakes. They make mistakes defensively, and he relied on two rookies Folks. to defend late in the game. Go with your veteran yeah. guys. This is the reason and you brought in yes. Andre Iguodala to be able to defend late. The Lakers took advantage of that, yeah. and you got to give the Lakers credit. Give LeBron credit. But D-Wade must not be watching because they stopped playing zone at the game, too. They knew they couldn't. LeBron, so, LeBron right, and AD so, shredded that zone. 
So a couple things, a couple things. The, the, the story of this game is not how many possessions they did or didn't play a matchup zone. And D. Wade's probably drinking, you know, some $1,200 wine and is, you know, maybe not as locked in as he otherwise would be. So I, I give him a pass on that. The story of this game is exactly what Antoine listed with one omission. The story is LeBron hunting down Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, forcing them into pick and rolls, and then Jay Crowder's just there to whack him over the head and send him to the free throw line. And then LeBron, the only fair criticism, all the other criticisms of LeBron at his game over the last decade have been totally ridiculous. There's one fair one, not a great free throw shooter. And in game four of the NBA Finals in the fourth quarter, he goes seven of seven at the free throw line, all of them critical. So that, that, that was the story on the offensive end for the Lakers. The only thing Antoine left out was, the story defensively was, Anthony Davis, who had his second straight subpar offensive game, taking on the challenge, guarding Jimmy Butler, and making Jimmy Butler, particularly after the first quarter, work. Jimmy Butler was 5 of 5 in the first quarter, and in the second, in the rest of the game, was around 30% from the field, held him in check until, what was it, 20 or 22 points for the game. So a great job by Anthony Davis there. But Wilds, the other story is this. You can't beat the Lakers if you're down after three quarters. It's like the yeah. old school Yankees if you're down after eight innings, except it's basketball and it's a quarter of the game. Show the stats. This is unreal. 56 and 0 when leading through three quarters. And it's a telling top four all time because you've got this year's Lakers, the 72 win Bulls, a Celtics team with three superstar Hall of Famers and Russell, Hondo and Jones, and then, look who's fourth on that list. The 2018 Cavs with an injured Kevin Love and J.R. Smith. What's the common denominator? In his last two healthy seasons, Wilds, LeBron's 106-1 when leading after three quarters. And it's not just because he scores in the fourth. It's because of last night. He orchestrates everything. He makes the right play. He understands how to control the game. So even when the Heat were getting it within two, within three. They never could get over the hump like no team all year long has been able to get over the hump against these Lakers when they head into the fourth quarter trailing wilds. So, so Antoine, if we build on that stat, right, do, does Spolstra know that? Does Spolstra know that he's like, all right, we really are playing for 36 minutes because if we're, if we can't, we can't come back. And, and, or when he notices that, like, okay, we're down after three quarters, I need to go with my offensive, my offensive squad here. I need to outscore them. I'm going to keep Kelly Olynyk on the bench, and I'm going to hope that Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who weren't, like, on fire, but they were moderately hot. Like, Tyler Hero went over 20, had a garbage one at the end of the game. But still, those guys were, like, hoping to hit shots in the fourth quarter. Are you, do you still think that Spolster was wrong to, to try to outscore the Lakers? You, it's a, every game is different. You had the five-point game to start the fourth quarter. You had, you had numerous opportunities to get in this game to take lead. It's a make-or-miss lead. But the flip side to it is that they were getting enough stops to put themselves in position to win this game. But the problem is you got to figure out where the mismatch is at. LeBron James is starting to be effective. He starts to be aggressive, and he's taking advantage of your rookies. That's anybody that's watching basketball and know the game. Know that. Wait, you know what? I need to make a change right here. We need to get one of these guys out. 
Andre Iguodala has made a ton of big shots in his career. He's not that bad offensively where he can't make an open shot. And he's made big shots. This is a guy that was the MVP of the finals. You have to make adjustments. The Lakers, one thing that Frank Vogel has done, which has been very surprised, I don't know where it's coming from, whether it's LeBron, whether it's Jason Kidd, but I'm going to give Frank Vogel the credit because he's the head coach. He makes the adjustment. You didn't see Dwight Howard yesterday. He knows this series is past yeah. Dwight Howard. He gave him a try the first couple games. They've already they've mastered that now. He knows now he has to play Morris now. He's playing that. Danny Green, you didn't see Danny Green late because he's not making right. shots. Right. So you got to make those type of adjustments of course of a game. Every game is different. Yep. Some games you may need a guy to score the basketball. Some games you may not. But I'm looking and I'm at the outside. I know for a fact we need stops. We need to try to contain LeBron James and we need to get and rebounds. The second they contained shots the hottest as well. player in the bubble to 22 yeah. points. Hey, that hey. makes no sense to me. 22 Antoine, points. Antoine, I want to watch the next contained. game with you. I want your perspective. We'll do it virtually. A little FaceTime me and you, expensive wine. It'll be yeah. great. Um, with and the win, the that Lakers too, now up. Add me too. 3-1. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. I won't get a word in edgewise, I'll tell you that much. Back to football now and the unlikeliest of critics on this Dallas Cowboys team. One of the greats weighing in. Wait till you hear who next. First things first. Viewing party. Back here talking Dallas Cowboys now. On offense, this team's good enough to be a Super Bowl contender. Unfortunately for them, defense. It is dreadful, for lack of a better term, allowing more than 36 points a game, that defense. Dak Prescott forced to play catch-up every time he's on the field. This prompting Dallas great Troy Aikman to come down hard on the Dallas defense. Listen to this. It, it, to me, I'd be embarrassed as a player to, to put that kind of performance on film that, that's going to be seen by your peers for the rest of the season. It was just uh, not very good, and I know Mike Nolan – is in the you know in the firing line right now, but you know over the years you could always point to the the way that the Cowboys played defensively. I mean they played with with great effort. Um, you know they just flew around eleven guys and didn't always play great, but but it was always there on film as far as the effort level. And I mean I, I didn't no. see. I didn't see one guy on defense that I'd say had a good game. And the the last touchdown that Odell Beckham scored when they'd cut it to three points. You know, they had all the momentum. If they make a stop there defensively, they, they probably win the game. It's 27. All right, with that, we are now joined by Brian Westbrook. Brian, you played in that NFC East division for years. You know this Cowboys team. What did you make of what Troy Aikman had to say? Well, Jenna, Troy is absolutely right. And I went back and watched every single snap of the, the Cowboys defense uh, this season. And, and I watch these things through a running back lens. Do I want to play against a defense like this? And, and truthfully, this is the exact type of defense that I'm thinking of. Okay, let me get my stats up. Let me get my yards up. Let me get my <laughs> touchdowns up. And, and there, there's, a, there's a couple of different reasons why. Number one, um, they're losing in the trenches. At the line of scrimmage, uh, you have to be able to win. And Andy Reid always told us, if you want to win in the NFL, you have to win on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. And the Cowboys' defensive line is getting blown back consistently three, four yards uh, past the line of scrimmage on almost every single play. And just think about it. From a running back's perspective, if the defensive line is getting blown back three, four yards, now as a running back, I'm not getting contacted until four or five yards down the field. So I'm getting hit by safeties and linebackers 
four or five yards down the field. If I don't break any tackles, I have a successful run if I'm getting tackled at four yards uh, after, after the line of scrimmage. So there's just no way to be successful getting blown up at the line of scrimmage if you're the, the Dallas Cowboys. The second part is they're a bad tackling football team. I'm talking about heads down, eyes closed, arm tackling. No one's running through guys trying to make physical, aggressive tackles. They're, they're just, they're just, they're tackling very bad. And, and the last thing, and to me, this is the most damning part. This is the thing that you just can't excuse. And Troy mentioned it. It's there's no energy, there's no hustle, there's no effort on a lot of these big plays that they've given up. I'm seeing guys walking. I'm seeing guys jogging. You watch this Odell play. There's three or four guys just jogging, not trying to make the play. If you want to be a good defense, you need hats to the ball. Yeah, you bad. need 11 guys to try to attack the football. And unfortunately, the Dallas Cowboys don't have this. That, they have that at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're probably seeing uh, a lack of effort because they're, they're mentally exhausted. Uh, I like Coach Nolan. You know, I used to have uh, great conversations with Coach Nolan on the sideline. Uh, I had him as my defensive coordinator in Denver in 2010 when Coach McDaniels was the head coach. Uh, the following year, went to Miami. Coach Tony Sperano was the head coach, brought in Coach Nolan to be that D.C. And I just remember those guys uh, in between drills, in between periods, going over what they went over in the classroom. And I just remember thinking, like, if you guys don't have it now, you're not going to have it on Sunday. So for me, Coach Nolan is a very smart coach. But if you don't have smart players to be able to run your, your, your defense and your scheme, then you can't run it. There's no offseason, no preseason. We, we talk about that every single week. You can't come in and, and, and throw everything at them. And that's what we're saying, especially when you have a banged-up secondary. They need help. They need to go sign the safety right now. I mean, you got some veteran help out there right now. You got Eric Berry. You got Tony Jefferson. And, I, yes, I said Eric Berry. Like, that's what you need, somebody who's respected, someone who can galvanize that yeah. secondary and say, listen, we're playing simple quarters. We're playing quarter-quarter uh, half. We're playing Cover one, cover three. Do your job. You have this third. You have this quarter. Do your job. You can look at some of these plays in the back end. We don't have to run these clips right now. But it comes down to uh, uh, stabilizing that secondary. Coach Nolan simplifying that playbook. I reached out to some of my old Denver Bronco guy, uh, teammates on a defensive, on a defensive side. I'm like, hey, uh, tell me a little bit about your time with Coach Nolan. And, and was this a complicated defense to learn? They said, very. He built it in a way where everybody can make plays. The, the, the nose guard can lead the team in tackles and, and he ha and, and well something was really interesting he's like he it's hard for him to simplify he can't simplify it so this is going to be really telling you have george edwards behind him i think it's too early to make this move but he's definitely on a hot seat when you have that guy behind you that spent five years with coach zimmer who's a a, a defensive a, a, a genius um you, you know you got to wonder if they're going to make that move in the next coming weeks and Brandon, you're talking about their breakdowns on the back end. I'm going to talk about the simplest thing for a defensive player to do, rush the passer. Like, we got a blind reveal for you. It's a, I'll give you a hint. It's a cowboy and a former cowboy, and we can show the two numbers this year. One of them is the highest paid cow Cowboys player on defense. The other is a guy who used to play for them who's now on a minimum salary. Show who those two people are. It's Demarcus Lawrence and former first-round pick Taco Charlton. And I know Demarcus Jeez. Lawrence is upset that people are saying you're just looking at the counting stats. And I understand for pass rushers, 
pressures and, and hurries should matter, as, not as much as sacks, but close to it. But we're approaching 450 snaps dating back to last year since Demarcus Lawrence has recorded a sack. So if your secondary doesn't know what wow. it's doing, and your pass rush outside of Alden Smith can't get to the quarterback. And Brian Westbrook is talking about, as a running back, I've got gaps and lanes all over the place. Well, that begs the question, the hell do you do well? And the answer, Wilds, is nothing. They do nothing well defensively. They're not coached well. They're not playing well. They're not doing the basic stuff well. They're not doing the hard stuff well. What's that a recipe for? The worst defense in the NFL. And up to this point, Kevin, that is exactly what they've been the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, so I think Mike Nolan has to prove it uh, this Sunday against the Giants. You're going up against Danny Dimes and the most creative mind in football, <laughs> Joe Judge. But the Giants are not a good offensive team. Danny Dimes has been sacked yeah. 14 times. He's 22nd in the league in yards per game. He's got as there many touchdowns as Jarvis Landry. And, and Brian, uh, they play the Eagles. Cowboys play the Eagles on November 1st. If you want to suit up again, then you might get a chance. But I don't think if, I do. if this game goes well, I don't think you'll be playing against a Mike Nolan defense. You're going to have somebody else you have to deal with. So I think that I think that mm. this is the game that if if the Cowboys look bad here, you know, as Bernie Mac said, there's going to be some furniture moving. This this cannot continue. You but know, it's one not of the even things telling that I, if they I think look good about, against the Giants, right, Brian? Oh, go ahead, Matty. Well, no, you're absolutely right. Even if they look good against the Giants, that doesn't that doesn't really say very much. But one of the other things that I think about is how offensive teams and defensive teams helped each other. The, the offense for the Cowboys have to do a better job of not putting their defense in a bad situation. We're talking about Dak with three interceptions and Zeke with three fumbles. Stop turning the ball over. Stop giving up short fields. Stop putting your defense right back on the field. You want to make a team, uh, your defense, uh, able to get some Gatorade, get some water, sit on the bench, and get some rest, not to have to go right back on the field. Offensively, they're not helping a defense that is struggling as well. Uh-huh. Brandon, I got, a, I got a quick question for you before we move on. If they were to make a change from the coordinator position and someone comes in and just simplifies everything, how much disruption is that? And how much of it is, listen, we've been playing football our whole lives. We, it doesn't, like, if you sit, it's always okay if you simplify things as opposed to going in the other direction. Like, my, my concern would be if I'm a Cowboys fan, well, maybe it looks bad now, but they're learning it. They'll get better. Like, can there be a downside to making a change like that midway through the year? No, I mean it could it could it could be it could have the opposite effect. It can energize your locker room. It can energize your defense. You know, you got to think about two weeks ago. Jalen Smith made a comment saying we need to simplify what we're doing on defense. So they're yep. already talking about this in the locker room. Brian, you know this in the locker room. We call these small pockets, and those small pockets. And I hate to use this example, but you know you you, you know you hear it all the time. But it becomes mm -hmm. cancerous. You know, and, and we try as as leaders in the locker room to to break up those small groups because you have guys going in saying hey did you hear what coach called I don't like that what do you think about what coach is putting in um, this week in this package and that's when you, the integrity of what you're trying to do on a defensive sign on the side you have no buy-in that's when it's disruptive so when you come in and you and you make that move and you just simplify it it could potentially energize this group all right, the Giants will face this defense on Sunday, see how they fare. Back to basketball now, talking finals MVP already, because last night's game gave us 
two candidates. This is first things first. One, the National League Division Series continues. Game two between Mookie Betts and the Dodgers and Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Padres. It all starts 8.30 Eastern on FS1 and always on the Fox Sports app. Back here with Antoine Walker. All right, Twan, LeBron opened the NBA Finals as the favorite for MVP over Anthony Davis. Now with the Lakers just one win away from a title, it's time to see how our friends at Fox Bet have changed the odds. So... LeBron has now become an even heavier favorite. He's listed at minus 800. Anthony Davis still listed second with plus 600 odds to take home the Bill Russell Finals MVP award. Tuan, what would LeBron's fourth NBA Finals MVP mean for his legacy? I don't think it would mean much um, for his legacy. I think his legacy wow. is already set. We all know. We already know um, where LeBron stands in the history books. But obviously, LeBron is continually adding stats and, and, and putting things, you know, chasing all these ultimate records. But I don't think it changes his legacy at all. Um, right now, I still believe that he's behind AD for to win this MVP award. If you really look at this series and how this series has went, LeBron James hasn't been great this series. He's had 14 turnovers in the last two games. Um, hasn't been that great offensively. You know, he did have a good fourth quarter last night. But AD's been more consistent. Besides for getting early foul trouble, AD's been the most consistent. And defensively, the job that AD mm -hmm. did on Jimmy Butler as far as forcing him um, away from the basket, making him make tough tough decisions, I think kind of separated himself a little bit. So a solid performance in game five um, would kind of put AD in that position to be the MVP of this series. But LeBron legacy does not change at all um, uh, when an MVP is already there. So I don't think this MVP... I guess the Miami Heat would, would, would make it that much different than what it is already. All right, I, I, I'm having a hard time digesting everything Antoine just said, so give me a second here. First, let me address the <laughs> legacy stuff, then let me address the Anthony Davis stuff. Here's why it would be massive for his legacy. There's five guys in the history of the league with at least three of these things. This, of course, would be LeBron's fourth, but we know who those guys are. It's Jordan, it's LeBron, it's Shaq, it's Duncan, and it's Magic. What all those guys have in common is they won those alongside all-time coaches. Magic won his first with Paul Westhead, but then with Pat Riley. Duncan had Pop the whole way. Obviously, Shaq had Phil Jackson, and Jordan had Phil Jackson the whole way. LeBron, forget three different franchises. He'd be doing it for a franchise coached by Ty Lue, who had never won anything before LeBron came around, hadn't been a head coach, for Spolstra, who hadn't won anything before LeBron came around, and now for Frank Vogel, who hadn't won anything until LeBron came around. So it would put him, not just three different franchises, but doing it with that many different teammates, and more importantly, without the iconic coach, even though Spolstra has turned out to be a great coach, would be really impressive. But this idea that right now it's close Antoine, all the credit in the world for the job Anthony Davis did defensively on Jimmy Butler last night. I led the show talking about it. But LeBron James is averaging more points. He's also averaging more rebounds than Anthony Davis. And he's obviously averaging far more assists. And he's doing it on 54% shooting. Like, this, I think 
our mind gets tricked a little bit in what's a good game and what's not for LeBron. You're right. He's turned the ball over too much the last two games, but the first two games, he had two total turnovers. So I, I don't know the case that Anthony Davis has been more impactful when LeBron is averaging more points, rebounds, assists, and in LeBron's high turnover game, AD had five himself despite barely handling the ball, Antoine. See, that's the problem right there, Nick. You're going off stats, and everything is always about numbers. I'm, I'm giving you a point-blank eye test on what I'm saying. And if you look at Anthony Davis' game two in that third quarter was something amazing when he went, I think, eight for eight or seven for eight and putting that game out of reach in game seven two. Yeah. You got to look at the high points. And then you look at game three, Anthony Davis gets in foul trouble, and they lose. LeBron had a chance to take that over, but instead LeBron turns it over four times in the fourth quarter. He has eight turnovers for the game. And last night, who makes the dagger? Who makes the big shot to put the game away? Anthony Davis. You got to get credit where credit's due. LeBron's always had numbers. You can even take it back to when Andre Iguodala won um, the MVP. His numbers were horrible. But the eye test and the big plays, Andre Iguodala was the best player in that series because he made big shots, big oh plays God. that we were not expecting, and he guarded LeBron James that series. <laughs> and LeBron had oh monster finals. And this is, you you know, you look at LeBron's finals, Nick, you know that, and LeBron's been to the finals 10 times. This is probably his worst finals. Come on, he's, he hasn't been this but dominant guy. Let's just dominate the heat. I don't okay. go with numbers. Go I'm ahead. talking go about ahead. eye tests. He's, Jimmy Tuan. Butler has guarded him good as anybody. Jimmy Butler has guarded him by himself, gooder than anybody we've ever seen. Twan, I'm with you when you're right. Twan, 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 I'm with you when you're right, this man. This is insane. Hey, I, I, I'm with you on this one that, that LeBron James' legacy is already intact. It is what it is. But, man, I think you're wrong here. AD blew the bag. He is no longer, he's not even in a running for MVP, uh, finals MVP. You can't be finals MVP uh, with a 15-point outing, a 22-point outing. I mean, I'm going to tell you what went through my mind. You, when you talk about the eye test, Andrew, let me you tell you what went through my mind last 15 night. 15 points a game. That's fine. But, but that's fine. They, but we're talking, let's talk about AD. Because they gave it to the wrong guy. AD last night. Hold they on one second, They should have given Nick. it to the guy who averaged 36-13 at night. Hold on one Go second, ahead, Brandon. Nick. Sorry. Hold on one second. Let me tell you what went through my mind last night when AD hit that big shot that you're talking about. I'm like, who, who is this guy? He, 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 was, he was nowhere to be found in the second quarter, third quarter. He hits one big shot, and he starts pounding on his chest like I'm the man. Come on, where was that ten tenacity? Where was that intensity? Where was that shot-making ability throughout the entire game? Come on, man. That, to me, that was all for the cameras. I don't believe in that. That was LeBron James' game last night. Le LeBron James figured it out for his team. He carried his team. Now, I will say this. As a player, and we're talking about LeBron's legacy, and 2014, I shifted my goals. For me, it was, okay, personal and then team goals. Every year I said, from a personal standpoint, I want 100 catches. Um, I'll be okay with 100 catches, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. But every year I really wanted to lead the, the, the receiving category the receivers in all categories but from a team perspective I thought about wow how amazing would it be to go to a Super Bowl it's extremely hard to go to any type of championship as you know you're a champion and I say you know what let me add another personal a personal goal for myself 
And I said, I want to be MVP of the Super Bowl. I want that Santonio Holmes moment where I catch the game-winning touchdown. I visualize this. I said, the way I want, I want us to win it, the way I want to be MVP is I want to have that San, Anto San, San Antonio sorry, Santonio Holmes San moment where he catches the ball in the back <laughs> of the end zone on the right side, and then I'm MVP. Because that's when you solidify your legacy when you do it on the biggest stage. This guy is on his way to do it four times, Tone. Okay. Can I, 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 I'm going to tread very <laughs> carefully because when we talk about LeBron James, it's a little bit nuts. if you ever like going for a, a hike in the woods and you stumble upon some baby bears, you're like, oh, that's nice. And you're like, uh-oh. There's a very good chance I'm going to be eviscerated here. And that's what Nick is. Nick is the mama bear looking like are you teeth claws out. Let me, me see. So I'm treading Let me carefully see what you here. Got. I'm gonna ask for a full screen of the stats on Lakers wins. And here we go. I don't care about the loss. In fact, be careful. I think since you since Anthony Davis had a bad game and they lost. It actually bolsters his MVP case. He's got more points. And yes, LeBron has uh, more rebounds, sure. He's got a higher field goal percentage, shooting better from three. And obviously, he's had been more uh, impactful on defense. And just in total, this is not even in wins. I know you're like, that more point overall. He's got a total of seven more rebounds. LeBron has seven more rebounds in total all the Wild. Games, Wild. So, Wild. Anthony Did they Davis mess up has your graphic? in the wins. Wild. Wild! Did they mess up your graphic? Can can they put that back up? It, it, <laughs> you, you couldn't have intentionally left off assists. I know you wouldn't do that. That'd be wildly intellectually dishonest. So bad job by our producers to leave off assists when we're talking about the team's point guard winning finals MVP. You lunatics. You, you absolutely I adore you. One guy is giving you 28, 11, and 9. The other guy is giving you 26, 9, and 3. One guy is controlling the the entirety of the game and this idea that you know what Anthony Davis's bad game doesn't count what LeBron's bad yeah. game he gave you 25 10 and 8 Anthony Davis's bad game he gave you 15 5 and 3 and this idea he was in foul trouble he played 30 plus minutes it's not like he was he got five fouls in the first half and had to sit it's crazy it's insane. Right. There's a reason it's minus 800. And by the way, right, America, okay, you Mama agree Bear. with Antoine or <laughs> you can make a lot of money bet on, on Anthony Davis. It's six to one. You can make a lot of money. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm obviously All not. All right. This will continue through the commercial. Antoine, thank you as always. Switch gears, head up to Green Bay. The rare peek into Aaron Rodgers' moxie and unwavering confidence. Next, first things first. All right, keep going. Talking Packers exactly right. now. now Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> has been pitcher perfect during the season's first four weeks. I mean, 13 touchdowns, no picks, and a 4-0 start heading into the bye week. Rodgers joined the Pat McAfee show yesterday. I, I love this. Take, take a listen to this. You know, I, I, I sometimes laugh when people talk about, you know, down years for me, because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Oh! That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> so I see you, Aaron Rodgers. 
Brian Westbrook rejoins <laughs> us again. Uh, all right, Brian, there is some truth to it. What'd you make of what Aaron Rodgers had to say? Well, I love what Aaron Rodgers said. I also love the way that Pat McAfee responded. I mean, that's if you would say something like that and those people <laughs> respond like that, uh, like Pat McAfee did, I think that's amazing. But Aaron Rodgers is absolutely right. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, probably second best quarterback. And the expectation for him is much higher than everyone else. So he's absolutely right. His average years are career years uh, for, for most people. And that's because you're so good. And, and Nick, you mentioned something yesterday. I think this kind of says the same thing for Aaron Rodgers. When the Kansas City Chiefs win by 16, everybody's like, ah, oh, they should have won by 20. They should have won by 25. That's because our expectation is so much higher for guys like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, mm -hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs. The expectation is different for the best of the best. Here's an expectation I, I'm looking at for Aaron Rodgers. Get to the Super Bowl and win another one. You're one of the best ever. Let's get a couple of Super Bowls on your resume. Once you do that, then you're in that conversation of, of you talking about the GOAT of the game. And right now, he just isn't in that conversation because of the Super Bowls. Yeah, B, I absolutely love it. I love uh, Pat's uh, reaction to, to him saying that. But the best part was how calm and collected Aaron was when they were cheering and laughing like that. He was just like, yeah, this is what I said. This is what I do. But if you go back to last year, um, you can say that was the year, one of the years he's talking about. He only had 4,000 yards throwing, uh, throwing passing yards through the air on the nose, uh, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions, led his team to a 13-3 uh, record, and we weren't talking about them. We weren't talking about him. We were talking about Lamar Jackson, Mahomes. We were even talking about Kirk Cousins, the second half of the year. We were even talking about Ryan Tannehill, Drew Brees. And there was no real big discussions about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I absolutely love this. Um, I love his confidence. And, and, and we're seeing who he is and why he's so great. Like that, that personality right there is why guys love playing with him. Yeah, so this is... This is the penalty you pay for being one of the greatest ever. It reminds me of a conversation we had all the way back nine minutes ago when folks were like, hey, LeBron, 28, 11, and 9 on 54% in the finals. Step it up, buddy, because we've seen him average a 35-point triple-double in the finals. So it's like, is he really playing that well? Well, not compared to his best but compared to every other player in the history of the league, pretty damn good. Same with Rodgers. Rodgers had a four-year run when he played the position, you could argue, at the highest level it's ever been played. In those four years, he had 139 touchdowns to 25 interceptions and had a passer rating of over 110 over those four years. So we're like, okay, that's the standard. So the three years leading into this year, when the passer rating cumulatively, cumulatively, pardon me, is 97, and the touchdowns interceptions are only 67 to 12, we're like, oh, down year. Ignoring the fact that those three years, the, those three down years, one year he broke his collarbone, so you can almost throw it out. Another year, they went 13 and three and went to the conference championship game. And the other year, he had 25 touchdowns to two picks. Those were his down seasons. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I understand Wilds why Rodgers would be frustrated. He's like, guys, you're right. I'm not having my 40-touchdown, six-interception MVP season. But I'm still better 
than everyone doing this except for maybe three or four people. And maybe I still can be even the best person doing this. So I, I echo these comments yeah. a thousand guys, percent. I know, but now you guys put, put your old buddy Kevin Wilds in a bad spot. Because <clears> I love Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I love Pat McAfee. I loved the clip. But I, I want to be the guy, you know, at the at the bar playing acoustic guitar, playing all the hits that you love. And now I got to turn and be like, and here's a song about the day uh, my dog died. Like what? Nobody wants to hear this, but here we go. Here comes the full screen that I got to do. Even though I'm the I'm supposed to be the energy fun guy, I got to be the negative guy. Aaron Rodgers was not a career year, buddy. Weeks nine through seventeen, these were pretty bad stats. So I, you heard some criticism, but what do you want the media to do? These aren't this is not the career being yards per. You're 13 and three. I'll, I'll try to say that that was good, but it's not like this was totally unwarranted criticism, Nick. And I'm also mad at you for putting me in this spot of uh, having to be the uh, accuracy guy. Well, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, I didn't put you in any spot. But I, 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 I listen, man. You're right. You are the funny guy on the show. I'm supposed to be the numbers guy. And in back-to-back -back yeah. segments, you've created these wildly misleading full screens. You can't do, here's his numbers, over part of the season. Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah, it's like, can. hey, let's throw out the yeah. first eight weeks when he was awesome, and then the last eight weeks when he wasn't as good. That but was like, the narrative. So I, I just think, yeah. go, go ahead, Wilds, go. That was the narrative that he fell off. That he's like, oh, he's like, he got a tired arm. I didn't invent. I don't even know how to make a full screen. I asked Dusty to do. No. It. <laughs> no. I mean, no, this I year know, is just Brian, a, this year I is just like amazing for him. Go. I'm sorry, Brandon. No, go I was ahead. just going to say. I was going to say, Brian, that this year he's having a he's having an amazing year. Um, he's up there with Russell Wilson and also Josh Allen for MVP. I, I'm oh, gonna continue no. to say that this guy oh, is playing lights Allen out. Stuff. He's on pace, Brian. <laughs> a, a B. A Rod is on pace for 4,800 yards and 52 touchdowns. Uh, he's having an amazing year. Well, what he's doing is playing with the chip on his shoulder. No one's talking about him. And Kevin talked about uh, the end of uh, how he finished last year. Everyone's talking about Patrick Mahomes and all these younger quarterbacks, Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson. And everyone's forgot about how good Aaron Rodgers has been. All he's doing is just go out there and show you. And then every now and then he'll say, he'll tell you about it, which I think is, is pretty cool because you don't hear it very much in, it, uh, in this day and time. But listen, Aaron Rodgers goes out there and continues to be the best quarterback that he can be. And I'm talking about without some of his best weapons, Adams and Lazar weren't even there this past weekend. How good can he be with these Still guys? And, and again, last year, even with that that down part of the, the last half of the season, they won a bunch of games. 13-3 as a quarterback, which is your goal is to win, is nothing to sneeze at. I think Aaron Rodgers continues to be one of the best in our game. So two quick points. Yeah. One is in defense of my old buddy Kevin Wilds, He's absolutely right that that narrative was out there. And it's one of the reasons why some of the smart analytics folks thought the Packers were going to take a big step back, that that 13-3 and record was inflated, that they yeah. were not going to be able to duplicate it. And some of them were questioning, you know, are, are, has Aaron Rodgers' prime ended and we just didn't notice it? Rodgers is trying to remind everyone that, no, it can keep going. But the other narrative here... Yeah that was going on 18 months ago, and we can't just ignore it, was Aaron Rodgers' coach killer. Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy can't get along. Aaron Rodgers can't get along mm -hmm. with people. If it forced McCarthy out, the man's got a street named after him. Forced him out. 
And then it was, you know, Aaron Rodgers, is he going to get along with Matt LaFleur? Meanwhile, McCarthy's in a barn in Appleton, Wisconsin, just grinding tape, going to PFF, <laughs> learning all these things. Smash cut to right now. Rodgers is on pace for an all-time year. Mike McCarthy's team is 1-3. and three. And while the offense is playing well in Dallas, you are the head coach of the whole team, Jenna. So I feel, you know, Colin Cowherd talks about who won the divorce. Right now, that's the, it's pretty lopsided. When we've seen Aaron Rodgers in the year and a half since McCarthy was there and McCarthy in his year and a half since Aaron Rodgers and he split. All right, we talked about one side of the marriage. We're going to talk about the other side of the marriage. That is the Dallas Cowboys. They are one defense shy of a great team. We'll break down who agrees with that next. Brian Westbrook, thank you so much. Sunday on Fox. Catch Carson Wentz and the Eagles as they take on Big Ben, Juju, and the Steelers or other regional action. Check your local listings for the game in your area. You can watch it on the Fox Sports app. Time now for some stories to start your morning. Sponsored by Midas. Open since 1956. Let's talk about them Cowboys. Their Super Bowl hopes seemingly dashed. Not just because they're 1-3, and three, but because of why they're 1-3. and three. That defense, the worst scoring defense in the league. A defense allowing more than 36 points a game. Dak Prescott forced to play catch-up every time he's out. Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman, former Cowboy great, came down hard on this defense. Listen to this. It, it, to me, I'd be embarrassed as a player to, to put that kind of performance on film that, that's going to be seen by your peers for the rest of the season. It was just uh, not very good, and I know Mike Nolan is in the, you know, in the firing line right now. But, you know, over the years, you could always point to the, the way that the Cowboys played defensively. I mean, they played with, with great effort. Um, you know, they just flew around 11 guys and didn't always play great, but, but it was always there on film as far as the effort level. And, I mean, I, I, didn't, no. see, I didn't see one guy on defense that I'd say had a good game. And the, the last touchdown – that Odell Beckham scored when they'd cut it to three points. You know, they had all the momentum. If they make a stop there defensively, they, they probably win the game. All right, Brandon, what was your reaction to what Troy Aikman had to say? He didn't hold back talking about this Dallas defense. Yeah, definitely truth to what Troy talked about on the effort side. But, you know, for me, the, the bigger problem is, is, is more on the mental side and its scheme. And, and before I go into all these points, let's just go to the film, The Eye in the Sky Don't Lie. So I want to highlight two plays to show you what I believe is the biggest breakdowns in this defense. These guys just don't know where to go and when to get there. So you look at this. As a wide receiver, as an offensive guy, when I'm watching film, I should be able to understand what they're running pre-snap. Even if I was still playing, when I line up at this, when I get to the line of scrimmage, the, right away, I need to look at my triangle, the corner, the safety, the linebacker, and right away, I know if it's cover three, if it's cover one, if it's quarters. So when I'm watching this right now, Jenna, I can't tell you what they're running. I believe it's quarters. And what quarters is, is the corner, the safety, the safety in the corner has a quarter of the field. So when you look at this breakdown, if it is quarters, because I don't know, because guys are out of position, 
It's not on the front side safety. It's on the back side safety and the corner. They have to be on one accord. They have to be on one string. If this front side guy runs a post, the person who make that play is the corner if he doesn't have anybody in his zone or that safety. So they need to simplify what they're doing and get on the same page. You go to the next play. You go the, the Hurst play uh, versus the Atlanta Falcons, which was a big play in this game, and they should have won it, obviously. What is this? Is this cover one? Is it cover three? When we watch film and you see guys going across the line of scrimmage in motion, you'll see a guy running with them. We know it's man. It's a it's an indicator for us. We see guys drop into zones, and it's zone. But I'm seeing a cornerback, a woozie. Did I say that right, Nick? A woozie run with the with the the receiver. And I'm like, that's man. But everybody else is playing zone, and now you got an open wide receiver with nobody around him. This is the breakdown for me. And Coach Nolan is known to be a guy that is extremely smart, but he can overcomplicate things. That uh, he can overcomplicate things. He needs to simplify what he's doing, especially when he has a banged-up secondary. Coach Nolan, he tries to create defenses where everyone can make plays. And I don't think that's the case now, and especially when you have Dak Prescott on the other side playing lights out, and you could potentially have the best receiving corp in the NFL right now with the three wide receivers and a tight end. So if I'm Coach Nolan, I kind of take a step back. I put the ball in Dak's hand, say, hey, buddy, you know, clean up the turnovers, give us an opportunity. I will, I will make these guys go 11-play, 12-play drives. Okay, so you talk about Coach Nolan. You've got the mighty, mighty New York Giants offense coming up with Danny Dimes, who has as many touchdowns on his record right now as Jarvis Landry, and 14 sacks. This is the immovable object versus the unstoppable force, but the exact opposite. The offense is the worst. The yards per game is the worst. The touchdowns, like, Nick, if, if the Cowboys cannot stop this offense, there has to be a change in Dallas. I can't believe that the Cowboys brass is going to sit back oh. and say, like, ah, eh, Let's give it another shot. Let, let's wait. Let's wait till yeah. week six. Let's let's wait till but, you got it's correct. You know, it, uh, the honeymoon's over. You got to start making some moves if you lose to the Giants. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And listen, Daniel Jones has played 16 career games. He has turned the ball over in 15 of them. He's turned the ball over multiple times in 11 of them. He only has one clean game in his career. If the Cowboys can't force turnovers on him, then who the hell are they going to force turnovers on? And, Brandon, that is part of the issue here. They're running this complex scheme. There's supposed to be a cost-benefit to it. The cost is, guys might get a little confused, you allow a few more big plays. The benefit is supposed to be, but you make up for it by making splash plays, either tackles in the backfield for a loss, sacks, or even most importantly, forcing turnovers. And they're the second-worst team in the league at forcing they turnovers. They force two. Yeah. They're getting no pressure. They're, but they're they turning. Can't. Show they the, can't because your boy. Ahead, they can't Go. because your boy can't get pressure. I said they can't because your boy can't get pressure on them. Oh. And then you have nobody well, in the secondary. I mean, well, <laughs> right. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence isn't getting any pressure. He hasn't had a sack in over 400 snaps. And the secondary is a whole past even as a whole show it. They're turning every quarterback into Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what? If you play Patrick <laughs> Mahomes every week, your team's gonna stink. That's Mahomes this year. That's the Cowboys' opposition. Those numbers are the same. Like, that's a disaster. 
You can't get every time. It's like, who we got on the schedule this week? Oh, it's Mahomes again. Well, you're going to lose. And, and this is what they're turning Brandon, these quickly. quarterbacks into, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. quickly, let me ask you. Is this just about the players playing better, or is it because the scene, the scheme is, in fact, too complicated? If Nolan comes in it's, and simplifies everything, do we see a better defense, or is it on the actual players? It's both, Jenna, and you also got to think about, you know, personnel who's available. They're banged up. They don't have guys. But who's out there right now that could potentially help you? You need somebody, a veteran that can come in and help. You have Eric Reed, who had a, a career, uh, all-time career season last year. Why is he still on the yep. streets? Well, let's not go into that discussion. But you have Eric Reed yeah. out there. Go sign him. Maybe Tony, Tony Jefferson. Maybe even Eric Berry, who I know is working extremely hard right now for that next opportunity. Is he Eric Berry from the Kansas City Chiefs? No, but he's better than what you have right now. And you also have Earl Thomas yep. waiting out there. And then on the other side, you know, from a coaching, when you talk about scheme, you have George Edwards who's sitting right behind Coach Nolan. It's too early. Coach Nolan has another week or two to get this fixed. But George Edwards sit behind yep. Coach Zimmer for the last five years in, in Minnesota, and he's more than capable. Anytime I went against a, a, a Coach Zimmer coach defense, I hated it. I go back to the Cincinnati Bengals day when he was a defensive coordinator. I hated it. Chicago Bears yeah. when he was the head coach and, and, the, and the Vikings. Yeah. I hated it. So this guy is more than capable of getting it done. All right, let's finish up the show talking about last night's big finals. Miami, Lakers, LeBron and AD in cruise control most of the night. Uh, the King finished 28-12-8. and eight. Anthony Davis with a clutch three, less than a minute to go. Uh, that sealed it for the Lakers. Miami did get Bam Adebayo back, but the Lakers seem to have no answer for everything the Heat threw at them. Lakers get the win. They're now one win away from their 17th title in franchise history. All right, Nick, break it down. What was the key to this Lakers win last night? All right, so it's twofold. On the defensive end, Anthony Davis reminded the world why he should have won Defensive Player of the Year, why he's the best defensive player in basketball. It's not just because, and Wilds pointed this off, pointed this out off the air, and it's a great point. He was scaring guys out of even attempting layups. Like, they had, they had open layups where they heard, like, the ghost of Anthony Davis, so they passed it out, and he guarded Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, who, by the way, guaranteed a victory and said the Lakers were in trouble, but it's neither here nor there. So yeah. Anthony Davis on the defensive end, <laughs> and on the offensive end, LeBron James. LeBron James was not yeah. good in the first half. Thankfully, he was sensational down the stretch. He has one weakness in his game. It's free throw shooting, and he was 7 of 7 in the fourth quarter. He embarrassed Tyler Hero late. He had an unbelievable turnaround jumper in the fourth. He had a play where he split the defense to get an and one, and their only defense for him in the fourth was to foul him. Jay Crowder just kept hacking him. But the other element here, Wilds, is the Lakers this year have been like a baseball team with Mariano Rivera as a closer. It's like the Yankees in their heyday. If you're leading after three, the game is over. We've literally never seen anything quite like this in NBA history. Undefeated when leading after three. Mm. The other teams closest on that list, the 72-win wow. Bulls, an all-time champion Celtics team with three Hall of Famers and Sam Jones, Bill Russell, and Hondo. And look, LeBron's last year in Cleveland. So while it's LeBron teams his last two healthy years, they end games after three quarters. They're 106 and one when leading after three quarters. With, <laughs> I don't know if the opposition knows it, but LeBron knows it. 
And so they're just playing a different game than everybody else, which is why a game that yep. seemed in doubt at halftime, Wilds, was never in doubt to me in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the series is over. LeBron's not losing a 3-1 lead. And is it too soon to start talking about finals MVP? And I was shocked to see the gap between Anthony Davis and LeBron. And I feel like the narrative is out there that LeBron is going to win finals MVP. But I want to put up a graphic that if you take the Lakers' loss out of it, you can make a strong case that Anthony Davis is the MVP. He's had more points. Oh, no. Oddly, wow. he's losing rebounds. He's had a better field goal percentage, shooting better from three, obviously has more blocks, and he has more he has more phantom blocks too, where they're not even attempting stuff. So I know that the media wants to give it to LeBron because LeBron James's name is no longer LeBron James. It's seven, it's in his 35-year-old LeBron James, in his 17th year LeBron James. But you can make a case that AD is, no, is the MVP. And we're going to see on Brand Friday. Brandon. Not Brandon. We're going to see on Friday how they Nick, place Nick, Nick, Davis Nick, can Nick, take this. Nick. Nick, mm -hmm. take it, take it. Listen, I want to give my take, but yours is way more important right now. Please take it from me is right that now. Because that, that graph was just horrible. That graph was horrible. How dare you? AD Wild. has no chance to be the MVP. I don't want to say he has no chance, but <laughs> all LeBron's doing is averaging more points, more rebounds, more assists throughout the series. And that graph left off yeah. intentionally assists when one of the guys going for MVP is the team's point guard and led the whole NBA in assists. So let's take off the, like, A, let's remove AD's 15-point game. Then let's also remove LeBron's biggest fouls. statistical edge and let's include blocks per game instead. Let's do that. Wild, if you, you do try, all those wild, things, wild, then you maybe try. it's close. You're out of your mind. You you're out try of your again, mind. Wild. the graphic to be. Go back, rebuild it. <laughs> uh, have a great day, everyone. See